Good afternoon. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Just. How's it going? Good to see you all. Um, before we get into it, uh, I did this this morning. I'm going to do it again. Uh, I'm going to try and help us to get into the feel of what a pilgrimage must have been like uh, back in the day. So we've been looking through the Songs of Ascent, which is songs and things that, that the people of Israel would have sung as they went up to Jerusalem. Um, and my attempt now is to bring some true kind of authenticity, because it's hard for us today to kind of get our heads around it. Um, it's difficult to know exactly what they must have been going through. Um, but I have something planned that will help you all get with that. So, Tom, if you may. We're going to do something, uh, it's, it's, a, it's well known, and it is called the conga. Okay? So, I will start the conga. Um, hopefully, people will join in with the conga. Um, as we do that, just enjoy yourself, and uh, this will help you understand what pilgrimage must have really been like. So, I'm now going. Hands on the shoulders. Thanks, Tom. Probably not quite as warm as it would have been for them, but you know. You can be as exuberant in your congering or as relaxed as you like. That's fine. I'm sort of mid, mid groove. I'm almost catching up with the end of the circle, so just just slowing it down. Just slowing it down. Awesome. Look at that. Look at the timing. Timing, everybody. There we go. I can't do the leg kick thing. Oh, yeah, people are doing the leg kick thing. Yeah, okay, sorry. Forgot that. There we go. And feel free to find a seat. When was the last time you did a conga, Stuart? 1965. It's been a while. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is exactly what Israel would, would have gone through as they <laughs> approached Jerusalem. <laughs> Just one big line. Uh, no, obviously not. But there would have been times when together they would have had great fun, uh, singing praise to God, dancing and so on. Um, as we've been looking at these songs of ascent as well, we know that on their journey, it wasn't necessarily all conga. Uh, there would have been other things going on, difficult times as well. Uh, but hopefully that's got you in the mood for pretty much what this psalm is all about. Um, and thank you to everybody who contributed in the worship time, because I'm just pretty much just reiterating <laughs> everything you've just been saying. Um, and then we'll respond to that at the end by praising God. Um, um, there's going to be a little bit more of uh, participation to do uh, because this uh, psalm could be read in a way that the beginning of it would have been read to the people of Israel by someone and then the, the latter part everyone would have joined in. Um, so we're going to kind of do a little bit of that 
I'm going to read uh, up to verse 6. When we get to verse 6, if you could all join in and shout, praise be to the Lord. You don't have to read the rest of verse 6. I'll read the rest of verse 6 and I'll finish off the psalm. But that is kind of a little bit of maybe what they would have felt as well when they were doing this psalm. Kind of a preparation. We're hearing all this stuff and then, yeah, praise God. So, here we go. Got it on screen. So this is Psalm 124. Here we go. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Thank you. Stop it there. Stop it there. That's all right. Just the praise be to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I think we can be a bit louder, actually. One, two, three. Praise be to the Lord. Nice. Who has not let us be torn by their teeth? We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So, a really encouraging psalm. Uh, Dan was saying, wasn't he, uh, when he was going through one, two, three, there's this sort of like a sudden stop to their psalm. What's going to happen? Well, this is kind of an answer. <laughs> this is what can happen when you're with God. And David wrote this psalm, and you can be assured he had felt and gone through the things that he's mentioning at the beginning of this psalm. So he, you know, there's famous stories you can read about him in 1 2 Samuel and so on. Uh, kills Goliath, eventually becomes king of Israel, and goes through countless battles with varying success, victory, and failure. So he has been through a lot. He has been through a lot of danger, a lot of peril, a lot of situations that most of us would just want to run away from, but he has always been trusting God. And so when he writes this psalm, he's really coming from a place of experience. These aren't just sort of nice words that he thought would be kind of good to emphasize the point. Now, this is, this is real stuff. This is really what he felt and has gone through, and in the reality of that, shares the rest of the psalm. And the way that this psalm is shaped is quite helpful in bringing an emphasis to the main point. And the main point of this psalm is God saves. But to help us get there, we see, firstly, that God shows us what from. Well, the psalm shows us what from. Then there's a declaration of praise and a giving of glory to God. And then there is a what for. And so it really helps us em- and emphasize that, that elation that they have when they would have joined in with this song and shouting praise to God. And that's what we're going to do this morning as well. So, what from? In verse 1 to 5, the writer draws our attention to the reality of the destruction or calamity that they faced. In verse 1 to 5, it's it's pretty bleak. The illustrations are very final as well. They're not a, a sort of, oh, that was a close shave. These are like, if God doesn't intervene in this situation, that is it. We're done. And he could be referencing an actual event that happened to him. It could be that he's talking about a time where maybe Israel was going to get invaded by an enemy force or attacked. Or it could be a general summing up of, actually, there's been loads of times like that. 
And we want to give glory to God and thank him that he had intervened in these situations. And it's a reminder as well that not everything in life is going to go smooth. There are going to be things that we face. The illustrations talk of being totally engulfed, swept away. These are really, really vivid pictures that he gives us to kind of bring home, this is real, real danger that we're in. Now, today's danger that we might face uh, isn't necessarily going to be the same that David faced in his time. Not all of us here will have been through wars or battles. Some of us maybe have, um, but in the UK in general, that's not a case for us at the moment. We're not necessarily going to come and come up against a physical threat like David had and need to be rescued from it. But if I were to go around the room and ask, with the mic, testimonies from different people of how God has intervened in their life at different points, I'm sure if, if, we, if we know him, if we love him, if we follow him, we'll have testimony of how he has intervened in different situations that we felt stuck in, that we couldn't see a way through, that we felt... And we needed God's help on. And we could all testify to that, which is amazing. And God is worthy of praise for those things. But there is something that we all have in common. That is the same sort of emphasis, the same sort of degree of pending destruction and pending calamity as sort of is brought to our attention at the beginning of this psalm. And that is the reality of sin and death. It is something that is totally unavoidable. All of us were born into a fallen world. All of us have sinned. All of us are separate from God. Originally, the world was perfect. We were in perfect relationship with God, but we have turned our back on God. And now we face destruction. It says in Romans 3, 11, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. We are totally and utterly held captive to sin. That is a reality for all of us. And with that reality comes a pending destruction because when we die, and if we die in sin, we are going into eternal, as it were, like the psalm said, eternal swept away, eternal consumption, eternal separation from God in conscious pain, in conscious suffering in hell for eternity. That is a reality. In John eight thirty four. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So, when I say that, I hope you hear me in being reminded. I'm not trying to make you feel worried or scared, but it's a reminder of a reality of the danger that we were in before God intervenes. We genuinely, truly were destined for destruction. We were destined for eternity without God. 
We have an enemy that wants us to aim towards destruction, and we have a reality that if we carry on down that path, we will encounter destruction. And I want to give a warning. If you don't know Christ this morning, I'm warning you now, you are doomed. You are on a path that leads to destruction. And there is nothing that you can do about it. You cannot get yourself out of this destruction. You cannot pay your way out. You cannot just be nice enough and do enough good deeds. You cannot give enough sacrifice. There is nothing you can do. You are doomed. You are separate from God, and that is a reality for you. But as we move on in the psalm, we see that actually God does intervene. (laughs) And David gives all the glory to God. The song moves on in verse 6 and 7 to bring about a shout of praise for what God has done. As I said earlier, it's possible that this, the first section of this psalm would have been read to the people of Israel like a reminder of what had gone on, and then all of a sudden, everyone joins in. And now, obviously, we gave a reasonably good shout this morning, but if you can imagine just a, a nation kind of listening in, and then they're waiting for that moment, right, yeah, we're getting stirred up, okay, we know what's coming, and they can all join in at that point, just giving a burst, a shout, a communal, joyful song to God for what he has done. And there's no self-glorifying from David here. Many kings, words in victory and defeat, if they're getting beaten, it's somebody else's fault. If they're having victory, ah, check me out. I'm really good, aren't I? But David isn't like that. He doesn't sort of say, oh, this victory, thanks God for the help, but we were on our way. No, he gives it all to God. He gives all the glory to God. He gives all the praise to God. He gives all the credit to God who has intervened because only God could intervene. Only God could save them from that pending circumstance, whatever it must have been, that they had come to the conclusion We are done. They are going to sweep us away. We're going to be totally consumed by this army or by this situation or whatever it is. And so that's his understanding. So when they are rescued, when God intervenes, it is a massive, yes, thank you, Lord. Praise God. God saves. And in verse 7, he gives an illustration of a bird stuck in a fowler's snare. And it says that this this bird is is freed, is released from this snare. Now, a snare is like a trap. You can get trapped in it. And the more you try and get out of it, like most traps for animals and so on, the more struggle, the more effort you try and get free, the more entangled, the more caught up, the more trapped you become. And so this bird gets set free. Awesome, yes. Woo. But it could lead you to think, well, thank you, Lord, you've set me free this time from that one. But actually it goes on to say that the, the trap is broken. So it removes any possibility of getting re-trapped by the fowler's snare. It means that when we give glory to God, we're not looking over our shoulders. We're not thinking, whew, it's a, it's a dodgy one, this one, this salvation malarkey. Uh, you know, I think I'm saved, but the danger's still there. At any point, I just might get 
re-entangled. I just might get caught again by the snare. But that is not what this psalmist is saying. That is not the salvation that he's talking about. The situation he was facing, he is saying, no, it was done. He broke it. He broke it up. (laughs) It's finished. That problem, never happening again. There may be another problem, but that problem, done. And so for us who are in Christ Jesus, we can have a similar shout of praise towards God. Because he has made a way for us to be free from the foulest snare. I was talking earlier about how we are all slave to sin. We are all captive to sin. And there is no way out in and of ourselves. And there isn't. You can pull and pull at the foulest snare. You're going to get more entangled. The more effort you try and put in to bring it about your own salvation, the more stuck you are going to get. So let's do what the psalmist did and look to God. He is the one who intervenes. And he has intervened. If you are in Christ today, you are free. You are totally and utterly free. Forever. The foulest snare has been smashed up. He has dealt with it for eternity. And now you can live in the good of that truth, knowing That there is nothing that can get you. Knowing that there is nothing that can take away the love of God from you. And it works both ways. Sometimes we think, if I mess up, I'm getting back in the snare. But other times we can also think, has God, has he done really enough to keep me free from the snare? Maybe I could just accidentally fall back in to being trapped again. Oh, maybe I put some effort in myself to stay free. Or, oh, you know, is God going to be able to do that? But let me encourage you. It's finished. It's totally and utterly finished. Jesus has won the victory. Like we've been encouraged earlier on in our worship time, you know, now and forever. There is no if, buts, or maybe. Now and forever, you are free if you are in Christ Jesus. Because he sent his son to take our place. He bore our punishment that we deserved, and he defeated it by raising from the dead. That's Jesus. That's our victor. So that's something that we can do today. We can come with a song of great praise in our hearts to God, giving him all the glory. It is all from you, Lord God. It is all about you, and it is all for you. God saves. If you don't know Jesus, that can be a reality for you today. You are captive, but you can be free. By believing what Jesus has done, putting your faith in him, repenting of what was before, and going, Lord, I trust you. You can also know this same shout of praise that we've been doing this morning. You can know freedom. You can know total liberation from sin into relationship with God. And finally, what for? The psalm comes to a close in verse 8. 
And it repeats a phrase that we may have heard before in Psalm 121. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so for the people of Israel, this is to spur them on. When they sung this part of the song, it would have brought a huge amount of comfort for them in terms of carrying on in their journey, on their ascent, on their pilgrimage. Because not only had God rescued them, but he will continue to. Their help is in the Lord, and not just for a while, but forever. The maker of heaven and earth. Again, I think we were encouraged in the worship time about looking towards eternity. You know, he has won an eternity for us with him. And the people of Israel here would have taken a huge amount of comfort by being able to declare that no matter what comes up against us, no matter what trouble we face, because there will be trouble for them, no matter what problems, our help is in the name of the Lord, the one who has intervened eternally. And last week, Dan encouraged us from uh, Psalm 123 about this great master that we serve in God and how God speaks to us, how God has won us not just to save us from our sin and leave us to it, but he has brought us into his kingdom. He has brought us into his purposes. Not a sense of, oh, now I'm saved, I better, I better make up for it. I better do some works. No, no, no. That's finished. Done. Foul snare broken. Now he brings you into his kingdom for a purpose. So that you might make known the same message that got you there. <laughs> We've been commissioned with bringing this message of salvation to the world. And we'll all do it in different ways. And we can be comforted by the reality that we don't do it in our own strength. Because, like they did in that burst of praise, all glory to God, he is still going to be the one that gets all the glory. <laughs> he is about his kingdom. He is going to make known his word. He is going to be glorified in the earth. That's God's plan, and he includes us up in it. So I want to encourage you, as you move forward on your pilgrimage, on your journey with God, you can know... That he is absolutely, totally with you. He is your help. And he will help you in no matter what you face. And like I said earlier, we have testimonies of small things that he's done for us, bigger things, whatever, however scale you want to do it. That will be a continuing process. Dan encouraged us to wait on God. Why do we wait on God? Because he's going to leave us hanging? Nope. Because he is the one who helps us. He is the one who will intervene. And time and again and again and again in Scripture, what does God do for his people? He intervenes. He steps in. He saves. And we can know that the ultimate truth, no matter what these things that we go through, is that we are totally and utterly secure forever with him. So we're going to respond. And... We've got plenty of time. Kept the message short for a reason. If you want to come up, Tom. We're going to respond by praising God. And we're going to give some time to just lifting our eyes to him. 
taking off our eyes from our own effort, our own ability to try and get us free, looking at our problems internally and lifting our eyes to God so that we might know his freedom this morning. I want to encourage you as we do that, just to be listening to the Holy Spirit. There may be some things that he wants to speak personally to you, and there may be some things that he wants to speak to you to encourage the rest of us by sharing it in a bit, different things that he maybe wants to make us free from, different things that he wants to come and speak to people about. And we're going to give some opportunity for that later on to pray for one another. But in the meantime, if you want to stand, we're all just going to lift some praise to God.